The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Tuesday, December 22nd, 2020, season 16, episode number 85. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break, presented by Geico. Got my crew, Nick, Amber, Dave. Dave, I really don't know what that is he's wearing, but it is uh, helping him look, I guess, a little more festive. It's a Santa hat. Huh? You don't know what I'm wearing? Just a classic. Do you live in America? Oh, it is a Santa hat. I mean, it is is like like a ubiquitous symbol of American culture. (laughs) But yes, sure. Hi, it's our local Santa. Dave's gonna be our Santa for the show. That's good. Works. Trying to brighten the mood around here. Good. I appreciate that, Dave. It is Christmas week. We will have a different schedule this week, just so everyone knows. We got our shows today and tomorrow as normal. On Thursday, though, there will be a couple joint shows. We'll mix in some different uh, different people on different shows. We'll do two shows that morning. Um, and then there will be no shows on Christmas Day this Friday, uh, and then back on our normal schedule on Monday. So make sure you check the website for more information on that. Lots of football coming up this weekend. The NFL has games on Friday, Saturday, and the Cowboys play on Sunday with a normal Sunday tilt for the NFL. So lots of football, lots of stuff to talk about. Today, though, on the break, we are going to get into a lot of different topics. We're, uh, we're going to catch up on some injury updates. We're going to talk a little bit about the Pro Bowl, some uh, interesting things there. Uh, not for the Cowboys, but interesting things there. That'll be quick. Um, yeah, it will be. As will the playoff talk. We, uh, we'll let you know what's what's going on as far as the playoff picture and what has to happen this weekend for the Cowboys to either still be in or be eliminated. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about the Dallas offense, defense, and special teams. I have a few questions for these guys on each of those three parts of the team. Let's start first with injury updates. Dave, give me an update on... The guys that got hurt in this game, you got Leighton Van Der Esch, you got Michael Gallup, Antoine Woods, Xavier Woods. What do we know about them at this point? We know that Leighton Van Der Esch is probably dealing with a multiple week issue, which obviously, you know, there's only two weeks left in the regular season. So it seems like a long shot that he would be available, especially since Mike McCarthy was willing to say that. You know, he basically said, I don't have a ton of optimism. He'll be ready for Philly. The other guys, it sounds like it's going to be, you know, the more typical see how they go through the week. So, you know, we'll follow their progress as the practice reports come out. But it sounds like everybody else at least has a shot to play Sunday, Leighton, not so much. You know, I'll add this about Antoine Woods. And, and I understand that was, you have boots on your ankle, feet. You know, sometimes that's just to kind of, you know, get things you know healed quicker. But he, he doesn't look like he's he could play this week. If I'm just guessing, just based off the limp, based off the size of the boot on his, I guess it was his ankle. I'm not really sure. Um, what his status, I mean, what, which injury it was. But uh, I would say Antoine Woods is probably going to be tough to make it. Oh, were you talking about Xavier or Antoine? Antoine. Antoine, okay, got it, got it. All right, let's. Uh, Nick, you did mention yesterday, I think it was off the air, you and I were talking, uh, a little bit about Ezekiel Elliott. Do we know anything more about kind of how he ended up in the position where he didn't play? Because it seemed like last week uh, there yeah. was real optimism that he would play, 
And what do we know about that and how it may stretch into this week or next week? It was a bruise for two weeks now. And then on Saturday, he said before the game, he said he felt a tug. He said he felt like it, it, it was kind of a, more of a pull in the calf. Uh, he said, I can do everything. I can play through the bruise and the pain. But when there's, a, when there's like a pull and a strain, I can't be as explosive as I want to be. And that's why they, they shut it down. Um, he said he's not for that game. He's not shutting it down for the season. But if this thing persists, you know, I mean, it was it, that was what Zach Martin had, and so you know, and he he didn't come back, and I'm, I'm you know, obviously the difference between a calf strain and a calf bruise, and so, you know, and, and with what we saw out of Tony Pollard, I mean, I would just imagine that they're not going to rush Zeke back at all. Yeah, actually, I, we talked a little bit yesterday about the about this team, and in particular about Tony Pollard, Zeke Elliott. There's a narrative that I've heard, and I've heard it from some people that that cover the team here with us uh, for DallasCowboys.com. That kind of rubs me the wrong way, and I wanted to get your opinions on it. Um, I, I've heard a, several people mention, well, if you take out the 40-yard run, then he was only averaging 2.3 yards per carry. And my thought is, when you talk about Tony Pollard, that is why you like Tony Pollard, is because he has the ability to make that 40-yard run. He might have that 2.3-yard average throughout most of the game, but when he has that big 40-yard run, he can turn games, and that's what you're not getting from Zeke Elliott. Do you guys find that same – is that the same analysis, or do you buy into the idea that y- y- you know, you're not getting enough consistent runs from Tony Pollard, so he may not be as good of an option? I'll start with you, Amber. I'm just honestly getting a little tired of trying to compare these two guys because they're, they are just two different backs with different type of talent. And the thing is that the real problem here is the O-line. I think that that's the real problem, and that's why – Neither of these two guys have been able to be as consistent as you would want them to be. And Pollard, and and we saw in that game, regardless of those um, explosive moments that he had, they they were having uh, problems trying to run the ball. They they still had problems with the running game. So it just comes, to me, it just comes to the O-line. And and Pollard, he's just going to give you something different that Zeke is not going to be able to give you, maybe not anymore. But Zeke, at the same time, is going to provide you other things that Pollard is not going to be able to give you. So um, I'm just tired of trying to compare these two guys. I, I think that we should just be happy that the Cowboys have these two backs and hope that they just find a way to utilize them better next year. Dave. Hey, G, if everybody's happy, then we don't have anything to talk about. So <laughs> I guess we, so. Can't, we can't have that. Um, <laughs> For, I've always hated that idea that, like, well, if you take away the 80-yard run, he didn't have a great day. Like, well, he went 80 yards. <laughs> like, that that counts. Right. So I've, I've always hated that. Um, and for that matter, I'm looking at it, right? And, and like, Zeke, Zeke's a good player. Like, I, I always feel self-conscious that people are going to think that I, like, hate Zeke or don't think he's a good player. I do think he's a good player. He's not living up to the contract, and another point of evidence of that is Zeke is not even averaging four yards per carry on the season. Like, that is the baseline of what you're supposed to do to be considered a good running back in the NFL, and Zeke's not even doing that. Uh, So it's not like he's got this crazy good average either, and he also hasn't been creating explosive plays. So that criticism does not hold a ton of water for me because... You know, and, and, you know, that's the narrative on Zeke is that maybe he's not explosive, but he's steady and physical. And that's true. 
but I still want better than four yards per carry from my $15 million running back. So, no. Yeah, I I, I even wrote that in, in the column after the game that I don't like that. You can't take, you know, plays off. You can't take that out because it happened. Um, but But I think that what you can see is that you know where did the forty-yard run happen? It, it happened, and he got out. When he got out in space with Richard Sherman, I believe is who it was. He made the move on, and then he did a spin and all that. So he made an outstanding play. I think it's clear that that where he's doing his damage is in the outside, which is fine. That's that's what you would expect. Now, but it won't work if you don't run up the middle every every now and again. And they do that. They they, they run him up in there. Uh, but that's not going to be his bread and butter. That's not what where he's going to make a living and that's fine. Like Amber said, they don't have to. Like this these are two good backs. Uh, that's what they need to do all off season is figure out some good ways to to utilize both of them. And you know, I think he he could be a dangerous he is a dangerous player on the outside. Now, I did see a stat on on I think it was on Twitter and this is one of those where like you can make a stat anything you want. And it was average per touch for Pollard and Zeke. And it's like night and day. I forgot exactly what it was, but it's like they factored in kickoff returns. Oh, and well, come on. I mean, yeah. that's a 25, that's 25 yards. You know, 25 yards is not really that great of a kickoff return if you're right. taking it four yards back, in, you know, in your end zone. So he's had some big ones, but I'm just saying that that is one of those narratives of like, oh, we're really going to hammer this thing home, and that's not really fair. Does yep. It? But, you know, the one other thing I'll add to that, Nick, and, and I, I kind of agree with you from the standpoint that I don't know that Pollard is the running back that you look at and say, okay, he's going to be pounding the rock, like, regularly. What I do think, though, is that particular play, that 40-yard play, uh, he broke tackles. Mm-hmm. Like, it was it was a physical run. Um, yes, he, he did make a guy miss, but there were two guys that were there that, that got to him, and he broke the tackle. He spun out of the tackle and then sprinted 40 yards to get to the end zone. And I think that's the part, to me, where I look at him and I say, that's what I would think. We all know, and it goes back to what Amber said, we all know this offensive line isn't great blocking as far as run the run game is concerned. But if you're gonna ha- if you're gonna be a really good back, you have to have the ability. Even when you're running, your your blockers aren't having their best season. You still got to find yeah. ways to make guys miss. You got to find ways to break tackles, and you got to find make ways with it. When you ha- when you do that, then don't get caught. Like, and that's what Pollard did. That's what we haven't seen from Zeke. And again, this is not to me. This is not so much a referendum on Zeke. I think it's more a referendum on the the offensive coaching staff in the fact that they haven't figured out how to get Tony Pollard more involved. And if that means that Zeke gets a little less involved, I'm okay with that because Pollard brings you that explosiveness that you just don't get from Zeke right now. Yeah. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take our first break really quickly, and we'll come back. We're going to talk a little Pro Bowl. We'll talk a little playoff picture. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. There's nothing as unique as our eyes which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Grisol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. 
Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys, and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Back to the break. Santa is back at his Dallas Cowboys Cottage at the Star in Frisco. Appointments are available to take your socially distanced holiday photo with Santa through December the 24th. Look now at the star in Frisco.com slash Santa. You know, if we put some pounds on Dave and whiten his hair, we actually might have Santa here on this show. Like, it actually might work. What do you think? I appreciate you saying that I need to put some pounds on because, like, I feel like I'm getting there all on my own during this quarantine. Especially, you know, it's Christmas with all the goodies and stuff. It's... It's been a rough month. Yeah, it, it doesn't help. It doesn't help there that you got the big favor bag behind you. It looks like you're just kind of like you're yeah. all in, you know, all day every day. Bring yeah. me more food. <laughs> Get uh, free deliveries for two weeks if you sign up. Shout out favor. All oh right. my god, good to know. All right, let's. Uh, Why? What do you want? No, just because we have like 18 other sponsors on here that like I, you know we, we got this sponsored by Geico and this over here by Sorry. which is great. That's how we make money. The, yeah, but da- that's for Dave's show. That's for the Star <laughs> yeah. Night favors their sure. sponsor. So well, yeah, good looking out. All right, here's what we're gonna do. Uh, let's talk a little bit about. <laughs> let's look a little bit about Pro Bowl. Um, no Cowboys made it. Uh, I think first time since 1989, I think it is. Yeah, you don't want to do anything since 1989. No. Well, yeah, yeah, gotcha point, yeah. yeah. But here's my question for you guys. Were you at all even mildly surprised that not at least one guy made it? Like, yeah. I was looking at the list, and I looked at the special team, and I, I talked yesterday about C.J. Goodwin and how much I think he has yeah. been a like a really, really great special teams player. Not even a guy like him makes it. Like, are you at all mildly surprised? And who would be the guy that maybe you think had an outside chance, Nick? Yeah, I'm surprised just because it hasn't happened. And there's been bad teams before, and you just think somebody's gonna, you know, would 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 get in. But you know, then when you get a little closer, and you're like, okay, but who? And then you're like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it just depends on what people view of Zach Martin. Yeah. I mean, but that would be the one. I mean, did he deserve it? I, I don't know. That's debatable. Because there's not not a better offensive lineman that yeah. we've seen. I mean, look what he did this year. I mean, he he's a he's an all pro player. It's just unfortunate that he didn't play enough games. But that was the thing. Yeah, he's a play number of games, right? Yep. Yeah, Amber, what do you think? Um, I think I would have been surprised had the Cowboys had a player who made it into the Pro Bowl. If I'm being honest, uh, I mean, yes, you talk about Zach Martin, but then the whole thing about how many games he's missed and all that. I'm sure that goes into play. But 
and also you mentioned you mentioned CJ Goodwin. Even if a guy like that would have made it into the Pro Bowl, that would have surprised me because usually those kind of players don't usually tend to get that kind of recognition, at least from, from the Cowboys that I've seen in previous years. Usually it's someone with like a bigger spotlight, someone with a bigger name, bigger recognition. So um, it's just, it's, it's hard to pick anyone when you've seen the kind of season that the Cowboys have had this year. So I'm sure when people are voting and things, I'm sure they're not necessarily thinking of the Cowboys players this year. So um, if I'm being honest, I, I wasn't really surprised. Dave. I was surprised very briefly because I know that the Pro Bowl voting system is flawed and a lot of guys get voted in more on reputation than anything. And then I realized that the big two reputation votes are Tyron Smith and Zach Martin, and they just, not to say that, you know, those guys deserve, like, they're great players, but once you kind of, especially as an offensive lineman, once you start getting voted in, it kind of snowballs on itself. But Tyron hasn't played for most of the year, and it's kind of amazing if you go look at it, like, Zach has missed almost half the season, you know, because he got knocked out of two games very, very early. Like, he got hurt in the first quarter of two different games, and he's missed another four. So he's really missed six of 14 games. That's basically half the year. So when you once you think about the fact that, you know, Zach and Tyron really haven't played a lot this year, it's not surprising. And, and truth be told, you know, I don't think they really deserve it. Zach would have deserved it if he'd played more. But that's about it. You know, I mean, Jalen Smith obviously leads the league in, in tackles. Okay, you okay? I'm good. I'm gonna <laughs> get a headache. If you do that too, if you do that fast, you get a headache. Yeah, sorry. I'd get in trouble when I was a kid for doing that uh, rolling of the eyes. Anyway, um, but the the, the linebacker position at the Pro Bowl is a, is, is flawed, anyways. You know, and, yeah. and 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 as an outside linebacker in a four three, it's. It's in, it's really You're impossible, yeah. and and that's why I think they need to make a change there. And I'm not saying that if that happens, he would get in. I don't think he is. You know, I don't think he's having a Pro Bowl season at all. But I just think that the outside linebacker spot are for three, four guys, and and those guys have sacks. And so I just think that you know that they need to they need to make those pass rushers actually. And I'll ask you this: Well, if, this year they're right. not. Sorry, I was oh. just gonna say that this year they're not selecting alternates. So, right. yeah, I mean that's how he made it last year that's as an alternate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and this is that, a. I bet you there there were some alternates. So, I mean, they probably did. They probably had three or four. But I don't. I mean, Amari probably was a was an alternate. I would guess. What's Evan Ingram's stats? I really don't know that. He's on my Evan. Team. Evan He's Ingram does not belong. In, yeah. He does not. No. But but how many? Evan Ingram does not belong in the Pro Bowl. What's his catches? He's, I, I mean, I don't know. It can't be great. I had him in fantasy. He was. I know. Great. I know. I had him in fantasy. I don't even want to. <laughs> it was it was very pedestrian. Hey, I would nobody guess. cares I about guess. people's fantasy leagues, but nobody had a worse bad beat than me last night. I mean, nobody. You don't. You, I had the Steelers defense. Yeah, no. No. Yeah. No. I, okay. Go ahead. No. Never mind. Go ahead. Um, no, I, and I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think there were some different. I, I was but even Schultz, surprised. Schultz is what I was saying. Okay. What What is Ingram's numbers? Because I mean, Schultz has got fifty five catches and four touchdowns. I mean, I, I don't know what Ingram's numbers are, but I'm yeah. just saying that. Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what Evan Ingram's numbers are: fifty four catches for five seventy two and one touchdown. Hmm. Like it's a joke that he's there. Yeah, there's he. Should it is not a joke. I wonder who else is. I mean, I don't know, but I I know that Schultz is, would be close. God, if he made the Pro Bowl. That would be so Wouldn't awesome. that have been? I mean, that would have been so. We awesome. got to pull back Amber's clip from like August. 
She was like, he needs to be cut. <laughs> and, and we and we were all just like. And by the way, I was ready I to cut him. No, yes. I said the same thing. I said I don't even know why he's still here. Oh, I said that. I'm, we all were. I yeah. mean, we were like. I remember it was like week two. I was like, I think Schultz is going to play a little bit better this week because it was against the Rams. The Rams he filled in for Jarwin didn't play very well, and I was like, right, yeah. And I yeah. was like, I think you know just because I, he was ready to be cut, and. Um, but he he's had a good. Dalton Schultz has one fewer catch, fifty fewer yards, and three more touchdowns than Evan Ingram. Like, yeah. I'm not saying he should be in the Pro Bowl, but he's got a better case to be there than Evan Ingram does. I'm trying to think. Other what than other not tight being, ends. you know, he's not a first round pick. What other tight ends are in the NFC? The best two tight ends in the league are in the AFC. There's yeah. no doubt about well, it. You know, and you had Kittle, Kittle out hurt. most of the season, so, um, so I don't know. I can't yeah, think well, of another. You know, really great when you one. think about it, I mean, it's it's really hard to get in. Usually in the NFC because you yeah. have Kittle and you had Ertz yeah. who catches all these right. passes, but he Ertz was hurt. missed a lot of season. Anyway, he hasn't played great this year statistically. No, anyway. no, and then mm-hmm. of course he's Goddard gets some of those catches yeah. too. And he hasn't had that great of a season yeah. either. He's been injured, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know the other tight ends. I mean, Tampa Bay have anybody? Uh, oh, Gronk. Did Gronk make it? I don't think Gronk, so. but. I mean, if he made, I'm it, then looking at. I'm trying to pull up the rosters right now. Yeah, but that it is amazing that we're even talking about like it a was, possible snub for yeah. Schultz. TJ TJ Hawkinson and Evan Ingram. Okay. I, I don't. I didn't know TJ Hawkinson had that good of a year. But yeah. yeah. Okay. Just, but it didn't sound like you had to have a great year to get to the Pro Bowl as a tight end in the NFC. Like, yeah. It didn't seem like there was a ton of competition no. there. Dave, I, just real quick before we move on to another topic, were you at all surprised your boy Jefferson got in? No, I mean he's he's killing it. He's like, I mean he's he's been absolutely amazing. He might yeah. win offensive rookie of the year as a wide receiver. So no, I wasn't surprised. All right, I, I was just but, I was a little hey, a little bit I surprised. Mean, and I went to look at his numbers, and that's when I was like, I didn't realize he'd had that good a season uh, with the numbers that he had put oh, up. I thought he was I thought he was kind of on that cusp. I was also I was thinking like, are there other guys that that maybe got snubbed here that that maybe had been ahead of him? And I think there may have been one other guy that. That could have made a claim that maybe they should have been in that spot, but yeah, he was right up there with them. I mean, he's right there in the mix, and I was I was pretty pretty, he, pretty surprised. He he ain't he ain't Randy Moss, but he is putting up Moss like stats. I mean, I like Randy Moss was so much more talented. Like I'm not, I don't want to compare him, but his stats are pretty crazy for a rookie yeah. wide receiver. There's not a narrative so, out there. No, I, mean, I wasn't surprised. Is there being uh, is there a narrative that they should have drafted him over C.D. Lamb? I haven't heard. I, mean, it. I haven't heard that either. I no, just I he's having no. a great year. No, I haven't heard it. No, I think the narrative. I think the narrative is just that you know the wide receiver class is as advertised. Right. I mean, yeah. For the most part, all of those guys are really kicking butt. I mean, CD was CD was on an insane pace before Dak went down. Jefferson's doing his thing. Um, you know, Ayuk is is having a nice season for San Francisco. Judy's been pretty good. Claypool. I think, you know, Rugs and Rager haven't been great, but there's more to it than that. Pittsburgh, so. but yeah, it looks really good. If he got a good trigger, man, he might actually Claypool, be even better. Yeah, true. I'm just saying. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about the playoff picture. Right now, it's very clear for the Dallas Cowboys. They got to win out. Washington has to lose out. Washington will be playing the Carolina Panthers um, this Sunday, um, and then they got Philly the final week of the season. Dallas has Philly this week, and the New York Giants next week. Right now, I'd like each of you to give me your percentage chance you think the Cowboys get into the playoffs, knowing that they got to win out and that Washington has to lose out. Let's start with you, Amber. Uh, I don't know about percentages, but I think that 
I do think that the Cowboys can win this this uh, last two games, but at the same time, I do think that Washington can also win win this last two games. So it's it's gonna be one of those things that and, and I, I'm I I hate when this happens with the Cowboys that it gets like oh it's out of their control now it's out of their hands and our faith depends on someone else's faith so. It, once again, we're seeing that kind of scenario here, and I just, I think that even if the Cowboys play better and, and keep carrying on what they've done these past two two games, it's just not going to be enough because Washington is going to win these two last games. All right, Dave. I think, it, I mean, you know, the stats say that the Cowboys have a 5% chance. It feels higher than that to me. I mean, I know, you know, math is not really negotiable, but it just feels more likely than 5%. I still think I would say it's unlikely, though, because, I mean, you know, this is a flawed team. You're going, you know, Philly clearly has a spark since they put Jalen Hurts back in the lineup. Um, and then you, if you, if even if it stretches to Week 17, again, Washington with that defensive front going against Jalen Hurts. You'd think the Giants probably have Daniel Jones back for the Cowboy game. I don't trust the Cowboys. I don't trust the Cowboys to win four straight games, which is what they would need to do to be in that position. And even then, Washington gets two cracks at two flawed teams. So I lean toward thinking it won't happen, but I I think it's more likely than five percent. I would say like twenty five percent chance it happens. Nick? Yeah, I mean that that seems right. I mean, I saw the five percent as well, and it doesn't, you know, it, that doesn't seem seems a little low. Um, I, I mean, is Christian McCaffrey playing? Is he out? Uh, because I don't know. that I mean, make a big difference. That makes a big difference yeah. for for Carolina to to go win that game. I don't yeah. know his status. We obviously trying to figure out our own team, but um, you know, I just I, I agree with them. I don't think Washington is going to lose two. I mean, defense travels. I mean, defense is is always there. And, and they, they they played well against Seattle. I mean, they, they had they had shots in that game. So, I, I just I just don't see those two teams both beating, you know, Washington. But and, or the Cowboys winning four straight. I mean, yeah, that, that's that's they just haven't shown a level of consistency. So it's not stacking up to do it. But you know, the NFL is is making sure that you have to tune in. You know, they 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 flex the game up for Washington so it's not noon anymore so now it's all happening at the same time so because because if if Washington would have won at noon Philly and the Cowboys would both be out and then all of a sudden you just like wait why is Gilbert playing you know like what's going on you know it's like we've seen that before there's nothing worse than being in the stadium for a game that that now doesn't matter even though you thought it did earlier that's terrible that's happened a few times I'll tell you this I actually think I'll do two different percentages. If 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 Haskins plays, I think that percentage is higher. You look at, at what he's done this year, even with that good defense that he has, he's only won one game. He started one, two, three, four, five. He started five games, and they've won one of them. Um, I think if, if he's the guy that's your starter. Now, again, a lot of those were against good teams, so you got to give a little bit to that. Uh, and these last two games, they're not playing teams that statistically, from their win-loss records, are good teams. But – I will say this, if Alex Smith, I feel more comfortable with the idea that Washington will will win this thing if Alex Smith is at quarterback than I do if Haskins is at quarterback. Well, do you think that Ron Rivera... Dwayne Haskins has bigger stuff to worry about. <laughs> right, I saw I wasn't going to even get into that. Yeah. That was rough. Is he even going to play? I'm, 
I would guess he just he's apologized. Yeah, he's apologized. For those that don't know, he he supposedly was seen in a strip club on Sunday night after their loss with no mask on. So a little bit of a little bit of drama coming out of that, not protecting his team and, and those kinds of things. But, but which I mean, I don't know the answer to this, but what I mean, what if he? What if that leads to him testing positive for COVID? I mean, that's just so unbelievably stupid. Never mind, yeah. like the immature, like. The immaturity, but then all... I mean, what are they going to do? What are they going to do if he, like, tests positive for COVID and Alex Smith isn't ready? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I that play, is... Play Ben DiNucci. That is unfathomably bad decision-making. Yeah, no, it I definitely mean, you was. can borrow Ben DiNucci, I guess. It definitely was a, a bad decision, and he's apologized for it. Uh, I don't know how he came to the conclusion that he thought it was a good idea in the first place, but he's apologized well, for it, and maybe you where, have to keep an eye on it at this point. Maybe where he went to was was you know they test there. Maybe it was clean. They test everybody walking in the door. <laughs> maybe I don't know. <laughs> you know you know this no. how? Uh, how do you know this? I don't. I wouldn't know any. I wouldn't know anything about that. I don't either. I wouldn't know anything about that. I'll talk that. to one of the beat writers though that covers that the does. Cowboys, and I'll yeah, see. I know a couple that that might know. <laughs> see what he thinks. <laughs> that might know. Um, I had a. Oh, um, oh! I was just talking about Ron Rivera. You know, he would love nothing more than to clinch the division against Carolina. You kidding oh, me? Yeah. I mean, no doubt. N- now he doesn't get to play. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> doesn't matter yeah. what a coach, how motivated the coach is, but you know, maybe the. I just don't see it happening. I, I see them winning this week. Washington winning. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I do believe it's going to be about whoever's playing quarterback. And yeah. I, I think if you're right, if McCaffrey's back, that changes everything uh, because that's their big, that's their big horse. They get him back for this week, but, and that changes everything. But why would you play him? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe the flip side of that, they don't want Rivera to come in there true. and get that win, right? True. I mean, that's it goes both ways, right? That's true. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, I have a couple questions for these guys. I don't know that we'll get to offense, defense, and special teams, but we will start with one of them and uh, see how far we get, and maybe we'll save some of those other questions for tomorrow. We'll do that when we come back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. There's nothing as unique as our eyes. Which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. The Cowboys way where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like, where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star, where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. 
Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Back to the break. It's not too late to give the gift of the Cowboys this holiday season with a membership to Dallas Cowboys United presented by Globe Life for a limited time. Get a, a get a commemorative established 1960 label pen with your fan pack. Membership start at just $20. Visit DallasCowboys.com slash United to join today. Welcome back. It is the final segment of The Break presented by Geico. We're going to talk a little bit about the Cowboys offense uh, for the remainder of the show. And, uh, and we'll save defense and special teams for tomorrow. But let's talk first about this offense. And I want to start by focusing in on the offensive line. We did, Nick, I know you mentioned something yesterday about the offensive line, but I'd love to hear from each of you guys how you assess the offensive line play as a whole versus uh, the, the, the 49ers. They did some things decent, but obviously, again, not a great performance. I don't think you're at a point now where you're like, oh, the offensive line is fixed. That being said, how do you assess their play? Let's start first with you, uh, Dave. The amount of stunting that the 49ers did in that game was crazy, and it makes sense because it confused those guys a lot. You know, there were, you know, just a, a handful of plays where guys had free runs at the quarterback just based off of stunts, and that's understandable when you think about the number of guys who were playing their first season. Um, it, I mean, it was, it was a tough day. You know, like, you know, the run game wasn't really there all day. Tony Pollard's long run counts, but it's way more on Tony Pollard than anything else. I mean, he he did the legwork there. Um, and, and, you know, the offense was just not very attractive in the second half of the, of the game. And I think the offensive line play has a decent bit to do with that. So, you know, they played well enough to win. And, and you know, you think about, you know, there's talent on that San Francisco front, even with Nick Bosa not being there. So, uh, good for them for hanging in there, but yeah, I mean it, that was that was a tough day at work. I thought, you know, they looked like a bunch of first year players going against a more experienced line. Amber, what do you think? I think that what they're doing right now, I mean, with what they have, it's something that can allow you to still get a win, but at the same time, it's not an area where you go in thinking, okay, this is our, our strong point, we feel confident, secure with this O-line, but it's still, I, I've seen some improvement week to week, but at the same time, I mean, and yesterday you talked about a specific play uh, that Brandon Knight did that, w- that was bad, and there are bad moments here and there, but just overall, I think that We've seen an overall little improvement to where they don't necessarily stand out every single play where you're like, oh my God, this O-line is absolutely terrible. They still do enough to where you can still find yourself getting a win, whether it's even with the passing game, not necessarily with the running game, because that's another story there. But it is what it is right now. I think that they're doing what they can and... I am surprised to say this, but still, he's been making some improvement. I'm not ready to say he, he, he's the right kind of starter for you just yet, but to give him credit after receiving so much criticism throughout this whole season, I think it, it's, it's good that at, at least at this point of the year, 
we're finally getting to see some little bit of improvement from him. Yeah, I mean, I think the the line, you know, it was a tough battle um, Sunday, and they, you know, they they hung in there, and they, you know, they it's not it's not perfect, but you know, I do think that that Steele has played better. I mean, Knight, I mean, you're talking about some some backups now, that you know, if you get through this season and you get to next year, and and, the, and your guys come back, and then you're like. You're gonna think totally different about these these your depth because you're like, well, these guys were starting, you know, and then they weren't that great, but they they can start and they have, and so if those are your if six through ten has got a lot of starts on your offensive line, and maybe you don't play ten guys, but I mean, you know, if your if your second line is gonna be talented, I mean, are, are experienced, then then that's a good thing moving forward. Do you think any of these guys uh, that are on the offensive line? Uh, have made a case, a strong case, for heightened roles next season. Obviously, most of them will not be starters, although I do have one question for you about a starter, and let's start there. Do you think McGovern has done enough to where maybe he could get some consideration for that left guard spot over Connor Williams? We'll start with you, Nick. Well, I mean, uh, he he might do that, but he also might spend the summer being a center. You know, one of those Connors could actually be playing center. And maybe they're better than Biotish or Looney. Really? Well, possibly, okay. you know, McGovern, that was something that was mentioned from McGovern when, when he was drafted, that he could play some center. Yeah. So that, that, I mean, now Connor, you know, McCarthy said he had his best game, you know, Connor Williams. So that that's good. I mean, competition. But I'm, I'm just saying that might be something that you look at to see if, if can one of these guys play center. And, and if so, can they be better than Biotish? Yeah. So I, it's a good problem to have. Dave. I think Tyler Biotish will be the starting center next year. Um, and, I, you know, I'm sure whether it's Connor McGovern splitting time or, you know, they sign, you know, maybe they bring Joe Looney back. But, I, st- I mean, he played well. I think, you know, I thought it was interesting. Kellen Moore said last night, Kellen Moore, which he's not the head coach, but he basically was like, you know, we really feel good about Tyler, but we're going to stick with Joe Looney. Because and I think that's because of the continuity, you know, finally having a chance to start the same five guys for a while. But I still like I was so impressed with Tyler Biotish, and again, like follow the money, the cheap fourth round draft pick who's got three years left on his deal. So I, I you know, I would say he's the prohibitive favorite to start. Um, I think you know we keep trying to take Connor Williams' job away, and he just keeps getting more snaps. He's the only member of this line that's played all year. You know that's mm-hmm. that's invaluable. He's going to get you know, a thousand snaps at left guard and he's had to do it with lesser players. So stands to reason he'll, you know, he would probably look better if he gets to go back with, to playing with Tyron Smith. So we keep trying to take his job and I'm going to stop assuming it'll happen. So Tyler Biotish, yes, but I, no, I mean, you know, I, I would be surprised if anybody else claims a starting job, if we can assume that Tyron and Lyell will be back next year, which, you know, I hope, I hope so. I hope that's the case. Amber. I'm still fixated on the idea of wanting to see Connor Williams move to tackle and give that position a try. Now, every time, if you look at that scenario, I find it hard to actually imagine that the Cowboys would do this because then that would mean you would be giving a starting job to McGovern, a younger guy, and take away a veteran guy and put him as a backup essentially to whatever tackle because... You're assuming that you're going to have Lyle Collins and Tyron Smith Smith back in the lineup. So 
it's hard to imagine that a, a scenario like that where they take a starter like Connor Williams and just move him as a backup. But uh, I still want to. I still would want to see that. I still would want to see the Cowboys resign Joe Looney because I still see him as someone who who is reliable. He's someone that can still get the job done and. I just don't feel confident enough about the injuries and we we keep assuming that they're gonna all be healthy at the beginning of the year next year for the next season but you cannot trust what's gonna happen because we've seen it over and over and over again so it's just one of those that it scares me the idea of getting comfortable about thinking oh these are the guys that we're gonna have back because of what may happen but at the same time, I mean, I don't know. I, the, that's a tough one, Derek, because mm -hmm. it's like you, you can see it going very, very good, but at the same time, you've gotten a taste of what this year can look like. And me, I want to see a successful running game. We keep talking about Dak Prescott coming yeah. back and all these wide receivers and all that, but I need, I need a good running game. And so, therefore, I need a good O-line that, that has good backups in case any of these injuries reoccur again. All right, let's flip over to the wide receiver position. We talked a little bit about it yesterday. We didn't actually get into the subject, though, of Noah Brown and, and how they're really using the wide receivers from the standpoint of, of, of number of times they got them on the field for snap, how many snaps they're getting, in addition to how many targets they're getting. Yesterday, in that, I mean, uh, Sunday in that game, Noah Brown gets six targets and only one reception. Amari Cooper, on the other hand, has three targets. And two receptions. My question for you guys is, is it normal? Is this a normal way to rotate receivers, particularly your primary targets, and particularly in situations of the game where they are critical, third downs, where you don't have your best best receivers on the field, you're opting to have. And this is not about Noah Brown, but just you don't have your best players on the field, and you're certainly not targeting your best players to try to give them opportunities to be able to make plays. Let's start first with you, Dave. I will let me let me preface by saying this because I think there's two different there's two different ideas here. I really I hate hate the idea that like everybody on the offense has to have a big day for it to be a successful day. I think fantasy football has warped people's brains. Uh, where you know there's there's only one football, and oh by the way, you have a backup offensive line and a backup quarterback. If C.D. Lamb is having a great day. That might not mean Michael Gallup or Amari Cooper is going to have this huge day. And that's okay, especially if you win the football game. Now, what I don't like is that Noah Brown is is a focal point of this offense when Amari Cooper's not. Like, if Amari Cooper is quiet because everybody else is balling out, that's A-okay. If Amari Cooper's not getting targeted because they're making this crazy concerted effort to get the ball to Noah Brown... I do not understand that. And I love Noah Brown. I all like I've been one of the few people I feel like I've backed his entire career. I wanted him on the team when nobody did. But that doesn't mean I don't I want him getting six targets in a game where Amari Cooper goes by the wayside. Like I don't get it. No, I don't think it's normal the way they rotate these receivers where any one of the big three might be out of the game for a prolonged period of time. And I know Michael Gallup got hurt in this game, so maybe that's part of it, but no, I, th I thought it was bizarre. Kellen Moore was kind of asked about it yesterday, and he was like, well, it stands to reason you want to go with the favorable matchup. Well, 
can't the favorable matchup be CD Lamb then? Right. Like, like I just Noah Brown's like Noah Brown six targets, and it certainly seemed like a lot of those were like a concerted effort. Like this is a Noah Brown play, and it it baffled me. So Amari Cooper doesn't have to be great every week if the offense is still good. But I still thought that that was really perplexing. I didn't get it. Amber. No, I, I agree with everything that Dave said. Uh, it didn't make any sense to me. And I don't know if it's just my own memory or what, but I feel that not just in that game, just in general throughout the whole season, this is a year where I feel that Amari Cooper has been very forgettable. Like, there's nothing that necessarily stands out in my head when I think about the passing game and him. And I just... I feel that I would, I don't know why. I don't know why I would want the Cowboys to utilize him a lot more. And I know you got CeeDee Lamb and he's been a great player. I mean, he's made some amazing catches, but at the same time, I mean, why not use all your best wide receivers? And, and it, it's not a matter of just one game specific. I just think that that's how I see it throughout the season as a whole. So in this game specifically, I have no idea why the Cowboys Choi, Choi, can't even speak now, chose to target Noah Brown so many times instead of other receivers. Yeah, I don't know what Noah Brown gives you. You know, he's a physical guy that, that can be a, a blocker. And I don't know if I said this on this show or somewhere else, but I just there you was said on your radio here that thing. There's one particular play where it was just like you, you ran a bubble screen to Noah Brown for mm-hmm. Cooper to block. I mean, Cooper's not a blocker, and Noah Brown's not really a playmaker like that. He can block. I mean, flip it. Like, you know? Yeah, yeah I did say it on there because yeah. I said Emmett. You yeah, know, I thought that was funny. Yeah, Emmett never blocked for Moose. Like, right. why do you have to flip this around like that? So, you know, I, I, I he just doesn't seem like a guy that's going to go up and just make a great catch and a contested play. He's just a your fourth or fifth receiver, big body guy, can can block some for you on the running game, maybe play some special teams. Yeah, I just I didn't get that either. Yeah, it's a bit baffling, and especially when you see the number of targets that, that Amari Cooper got, you would think the reason why Amari Cooper is making the money that he's making is because he is a, an appreciably better wide receiver. Yeah. So to me, it seems like in critical situations of the game, I want my best wide receiver on the field. And if he's not your best wide receiver, then don't pay him. But if he's that guy... He needs to be on the field in those yeah. critical situations. Then you need to make a concerted. If you're going to make a concerted effort to get anybody the ball, make a concerted effort to get him the ball. Because you're, if I'll tell you this, if Noah Brown was a uh, was was a good matchup for them, I guarantee you in the exact same situation, you replace Noah Brown with Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper is an even better, <laughs> an even yeah. better matchup, right? So give him more opportunities. In my opinion, I just I didn't get that. That was completely baffling to me. What do you got, Dave? I just want to, I mean, maybe I have a soft spot for Amari Cooper because I like the guy, and I do, but I, I just, I mean, I, I don't want to dog him too much. Like, I think it's actually amazing. Amari Cooper is probably going to set a career high for catches, and if he has, you know, I mean, he, he's 50 yards away from 1,000, so I would like, you know, as long as he doesn't have two more games like Sundays, he should hit that mark. And to do that in a year where he's had to play with four quarterbacks and hasn't had his starting quarterback since early October, I think he's had a really nice season. And, I mean, I think Amber's got a point. He hasn't had any of these crazy 200-yard days where he just took over a game like we've seen him do. But I think he's had a remarkably productive season for the cast that he has been forced to work with. Um, It doesn't mean he had a great game on Sunday. I don't know how much of that is his fault. They didn't seem very interested in targeting him. So 
I just, you know, I, I don't, I don't want this to turn into a narrative of like, why, why did you pay Amari Cooper? Because he's actually had a pretty damn good season for not having a quarterback. Yeah, and just to be clear, and I, I wasn't accusing you of saying yeah, that. Yeah, 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 no, I'm not. Yeah, this is. I, I'm I just agree. saying that for. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just saying I agree with I'm you. I'm just saying that for people at home. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Mark Cooper's had a really good season, and that's even more the reason why it's so baffling. Like, get him involved. The guy's been playing really well this season. Yeah. Even in games when a lot of other people weren't showing up, he was playing pretty well. And so I just didn't understand why they would throw so many balls to Noah Brown and so few to Amari Cooper in that kind of situation. But they won the game. So going back to Dave's original point, when you win the game, it, it worked. But I, I just, again, I just don't get why. I don't get why they did that. Well, he may, maybe he thought it was CD a couple of those times. <laughs> they do look very similar sometimes <laughs> out there on the field. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll have Bucky Brooks join us. He'll give us a breakdown of the upcoming uh, Cowboys versus Eagles. We'll do that when we, uh, on tomorrow. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about you, Cowboys?